It's time to breathe new life into the social entrepreneur by empowering you to make a living through fulfilling work that will impact lives. You'll make money, but more importantly, you'll make a difference. Welcome to the Change Creator Podcast. It's time to build a business with purpose. Now here's your host, Adam Force. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is your host, Adam Force. Welcome to the Change show. Hope everybody's doing well since the last time you have chimed in here. Um, today we're going to be talking about PR. Um, you know, we all need media exposure. If nobody knows about what we're working on, um, it doesn't really do much for our business, right? So we've got to get exposure and we need the right companies, these impact businesses to get exposure. And that's why we're going to be talking to uh, Jackie uh, Herskovitz Russell, and she is the president and founder of Teak Media. So Jackie has has uh, experience as a reporter for different newspapers and such, and she really understands the media space and the power of good PR. Okay, so right now her whole mission with Teak Media is to help nonprofits and responsible businesses grow, raise money, change public policy, so they can continue having the impact that they are having, which is having a positive impact. Okay, guys, before we jump into that conversation and learn about PR from Jackie, we want to give a quick heads up. Two things. One, we have a very special edition in the app if you haven't checked it out already. It is Pot, Purpose, and Profit. This is an emerging market, and there is so much to learn about it, and it's a huge industry. We speak to the founder of Bankst, and we did a cover story on the social impact of the cannabis movement. This is an exciting edition, and there's a ton of good information in there, including some powerful insights on impact investing. And now the second thing to update you on is the next edition coming out. Guys, it's always the 15th of the month, just a reminder. So October 15th, we're gonna be having a very cool edition with the president of Virgin Unite. Her name is Jean Alwang. And she is also a trustee for Virgin Nights, so she works closely with Richard Branson. So we're going to be talking to her about all the incredible initiatives they're doing to make the world a better place. It is powerful stuff, and they have a lot of different initiatives. So her experience is extensive in the business for good space, okay? And guys, there is a bonus. We have several Q&A questions going out to Richard Branson, specific from the mindset of change creators, right? So we really want to dig in and learn from Richard Branson's experience. So you'll be able to hear our interview with Richard Branson and the full cover story with his partner, Gene, the president of Virgin Unite. We're excited about this edition. So keep an eye out. October 15th, this is coming to you. If you're not already a subscriber, guys, check it out. It's only $3.99 a month. It costs $3.99 just to get one Starbucks coffee, and people do that every day. So we're offering you a ton of incredible strategies and insights to help support your life, your business. And this is what Change Creator is all about. We're moving things forward to have a good, intentional business that is having a positive impact. And there is an art to it, right? So uh, guys, dive into the app. You get full access, unlimited access to everything in the app. So the full library of content. You'll be uh, swimming in strategies. Um, and there's just incredible people from Muhammad Yunus, Nobel Peace Prize winner, all the way to Tony Robbins, to a award-winning social entrepreneurs. So please uh, check out the app, subscribe, and leave us a review on iTunes for the podcast, for the magazine. Those reviews are super helpful, and we appreciate it and love you guys for it. All right, guys, we're going to jump into this conversation with Jackie. 
Hey, Jackie, thanks for joining the Change Creator Podcast show. How are you doing today? I'm great, Adam. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really so grateful to be on. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, and um, I love what you guys are doing. And, you know, I, I kind of since you're kind of tapping in, you do a lot of different things, but you do tap into this PR um, side of business, and I'm kind of excited to talk about that. Um, so, for, before we before we really get into the nitty gritties, why don't you share just a little bit of background for people? Um, you know, what's your experience uh, in a nutshell, and uh, how did you get into what you're doing right now? Sure. Um, well, Teak Media and Communication is a PR firm. We represent nonprofits and responsible companies only. We're a certified B Corp, like um, Patagonia and Ben and Jerry's. You know, every decision we make uh, is based on our a triple bottom line. Can is this going to help the planet? Is this going to help people? And can we make any profit doing it? Um, and so, for the we've been doing this for 21 years, and for the first, I'd say, 16 years, we were mostly nonprofit, like 95% nonprofit. And then I learned about the B Corp movement and was really drawn to it because I love nonprofits and they are amazing. But I just realized after so many years, they alone cannot change the world. I mean, the, the model of nonprofits is you have one hand out always looking for money that leaves you with just one hand to do the work. And how are we relying on these nonprofits that have two main jobs, right? Always raising money and doing the work to make giant change like around climate change or hunger or poverty or mass incarceration. We just can't do it as a society. And so what makes sense obviously is business, which has all the capital and 90% of the GDP is through of our in this country is through business and 10% is through nonprofits. Again, how can we be relying on nonprofits to make major social change? Um, and you can't even rely on the government either. Not, not that we should, because we're not a socialist society. So it's not really a diss on the government. It's just, it's not their response. It's not their full time responsibility. Right? So businesses have to get involved and they are, and that's amazing. And things have changed so much just in the five years that Teak has been a B Corp, um, you know, we're involved in the conscious capitalist movement too and social venture networks. But uh, really, it's since the start of 2018 that it seems like companies are, are jumping over each other to voice their values, which is amazing. Yeah. It's the, the, the change that we've seen, the like Walmart and Dick's having stricter gun laws than the U.S. government. It's incredible. Like they're taking the responsibility on their own to make change and say, you know what, we're not going to do that. That's not part of us. You know, the airline saying we're not going to be carting around immigrant, immigrant children. We're just not doing it, you know. Right. And it's it's incredible. So anyway, what does this have to do with Teak? We're a PR firm and we represent these companies. And what that means is we help them get their messages out to the world. And as this change has been happening, we realize that the communications part of it might not be up to speed with the speed at which they are voicing their values. You know, another study that I read said that employees now expect companies to have an opinion and voice an opinion within within 24 hours of news breaking. So that means like, you know, with the Me Too movement, that's when um, companies really started saying, hey, this isn't right. We don't, we don't, 
believe in this, we don't operate this way, or um, you know, Google's employees saying, listen, that AI isn't going to work for us, don't do that certain project, things like that, and companies have to s- stand up and, and talk about it and say what they believe and what they are and what they aren't going to do, so their communications teams might be a minute behind that, you know, it's, it's really happening quickly. Yeah. So that's how Teak is helping um, these companies voice what it is that they're doing and what their values are and what it means and why they're doing it. So that that's who we are. <laughs> and that's great. And so and and I love that. So how where have you seen effectiveness in in helping them voice? What kind of channels? I know you guys do a lot and maybe it is a multi-channel type of approach that's most effective. Um, but I'm curious that when they have a social initiative or um, a voice that they want or as you guys say, which I really like a value statement, right? Um how do, what have you seen as an effective way of, of doing that and promoting that to an audience? Um, it's really about starting with the, and I hate this word, but authentic, like really what it means to do, what's your bottom line, and getting clear internally about what it is you're doing and why you're doing it. You know, why are you going to make this statement? Why is this going to be part of your company? Where's your so what, as I call it? Um, when I was a reporter, we were taught early, I was a print reporter, you know, for daily newspapers, and I was taught early on that the very first paragraph of your story has to answer the question, so what? Not just what you're doing, but why what you're doing matters to the people who are going to read that article. And I use that with companies, too, when they want to go out and talk about what it is they're doing. It's not only why it matters to their company, but why it matters to the world, why it matters to any of their customers, and why it matters to the movement overall. So it's it's really about getting clear on why you're doing things. And then what you're doing, of course. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, that's how we help companies, you know, invoicing, like help, we help them get, get clear first. Yes. And we help them create the message around it. Okay. Yeah. I love that. So it's not necessarily just about the tactical channel that you're going out to. It's about how you say the message and how clear you are about what you're saying. So people understand it um, and they engage with it. Right. And it's also um, about what they don't, you know, a lot of companies don't know what to say. Like, okay, for example, in this change, as things are changing so quickly, some companies are still part of the problem while they're trying to be part of the solution. And how do you talk about that? It's funky. Like, for example, um, fast fashion, big problem, right? The way that we produce clothes today makes it so that we can buy 10 shirts instead of one. And we just, you know, toss out nine shirts when we're done with them and just buy more. Like we keep replenishing. It's not like it used to be back in the 40s, 50s, 60s. You would spend a lot of money on a sweater and it was an investment. And now you don't. Now it's like, you know, well, you could still spend a lot of money on on a sweater. But there are places like H&M. Did I say that right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or that have clothes that look good, but they're just really. um, Crap. In, well, yeah, but inexpensive <laughs> to produce. Let's put it that way, inexpensive to produce. So they have a program that, so they're part of the problem, right? But they also want to be part of the solution. So they have a program that 
um, enables people to bring bags of clothes back to their store. It doesn't even have to be their clothes, just any clothes back to their store. And then they give them a 10% discount. And then they, you know, H&M recycles those clothing. So at once they're part of the problem, but they are also part of the solution. Mm -hmm. And that's the way that, you know, I think companies have to act as this. But, you know, Eileen Fisher does something even more incredible than that. She uh, has a big thing, you know, we want our clothes back and um, her clothes are not cheap or cheaply made, but she's still very conscious of the fact that her clothes are ending up in landfill. I mean, she's, they're certified B as well. So they take their clothing back, not everybody's clothing, but they bought um, two things. They are store, storing these clothing in two warehouses, which obviously is not a good business move in terms of the expense and no return on it. Yeah. So they're, you know, that's what they're doing. But then they built, uh, bought felting machines and they're turning the clothing into felt with which they use to make blankets and pillows that they did, that they then give out to homeless shelters. So, I mean, it's a huge, a huge endeavor on that company's part. It, I just think it's so wonderful. And that is where business needs to be going that that's what they're doing because they know that, you know, they're part of the problem filling up landfill. Yeah. And so do you see this evolution? I mean, listen, people have always taken a, a cut of their um, revenues and put a percent towards charity and things like that. But it seems, you know, you're talking about a, a, some type of duality here as people kind of make a transition um, and they're trying to kind of clean up a mess. But if they're also creating the issue and then trying to solve on the back end. Um, do you think this is like a intermediate part of the evolutionary process, meaning that sooner or later they have to really look at the entire business model and kind of avoid creating the problem to begin with? You know, I'm not sure that they can. In, like, let's go back to the clothing, although this, this issue is one that uh, sp spans through all industries, but for the clothing, for example, I heard the the CEO of Dan Dansko Clogs yeah. speak. I mean, she said she's like, what keeps her up at night is knowing that her clogs are ending up in landfill. But at the end of the day, her company makes shoes, and humans need to wear shoes. Right. Like, where, how do you solve that one? Like, you can't solve everything, right? You can't. Or, or the way that, you know, I love what Starbucks is doing now. Like their whole business is to provide hot liquid, hot coffee in to-go cups. <laughs> so these to-go cups are, are landing up in, you know, in landfill, right? And they weren't until recently all that great at the recycling aspect of it, not just Starbucks, but the cups themselves because of the plastic lining on the inside, right. um, what, you know, jammed up the recycling, but they're working on that. But the very core of what they do is to sell this coffee that people wanted to take away. You can't so entirely solve that problem unless you stop making coffee. So does business have to stop doing their core at what they do or can they try to mitigate it? And I think it's, you know, I don't think we need to expect companies to go out of business because the byproduct of what they're doing, um, there are challenges with it. I think the issue here is what companies are doing, trying to be part of the solution and come up with, you know, like, for example, Starbucks is working with the recycling partnership in addition to trying to solve the, the problem with their cups. They're also giving a lot of money to organizations that are fixing recycling around the country. So it's, um, 
you have to, it's part of both. I don't think. I think that, I think that makes sense, you know? Um, and you're right. You can't just expect someone to stop everything, but if they're putting an effort out and I do see it a little bit as this transitional thing where it's like, you know, they'll get better at what they're doing and maybe even just like some of these guys, like, um, is it Disney and some others or Ikea, like they're going to start, stop the, uh, stop the usage of, you know, plastic straws or single use plastic and maybe they'll have another substitute. So slowly injecting these changes, which, you know, maybe down the road now they're, you just can't do it all at once. Like it, you know, no. it just can't happen that way. So I, I agree with you on that. And I think it and makes I don't a lot of think sense. That we, I don't think we should expect companies to either. No. <laughs> you know, like no. they can't be perfect. And, and what they, you know, what I talk to companies about doing is set your goals and make them public and talk about it as a work in progress and talk about what it means to be a sustainable company and all the hoops and that you have to jump through, not in a bad way, but just say, listen, this is what we do. Right. And this is part of it. And I don't think that the public necessarily understands it. And, you know, listen, big business does a lot of things that are not credible and are really hurting society. But that doesn't mean that, you know, all the companies that are trying to make it better, they can't they don't have to be held up to some sort of unobtainable standard right off the bat. Just just talk about your, you know, talk about your goals. Talk about each time you make a reach a milestone. Talk about your achievements. And, and we'll move it forward. You know, it's progression. Right, right. So so let me ask you, you know, we're talking to a number of entrepreneurs here that are going li- to listen to this uh, program. And um, most of our audience, actually, you know, they're business owners. Um, and so I want to help them understand, and maybe you can give some feedback here. When is the right time for a company to start considering something like PR? Uh, well, it depends, of course. I mean, I would say from the beginning, because your message is so important. You know, what you were saying about what you do and how you do it is everything, so especially like PR. So it goes down to even your website or your packaging. It's really your messaging about who you are and what you do and why it matters. So I think it needs to start from the very beginning. Then what do you do about it in terms of, you know, PR means getting traditional media attention or social media or content marketing, when do you start doing that? And that part depends on your budget. It depends on who you're trying to reach and your audience. Are you consumer? Are you B2B? I mean, so that that would be the, the answer there. It depends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I figured there would be some, um, you know, variables that have to be considered. And, you know, a lot of folks, I think, I mean, because even, you know, earlier on, we went down a PR road. And I think part of it is finding the right partner as well. Like we, we didn't have the best experience. Uh, it wasn't awful, but we didn't hit the, we didn't accomplish what we hoped, I guess. So um, how, when you uh, like start working with someone, um, what are some of the steps you take in order to establish, I guess, um, the relationship and what kind of steps do you take to start crafting that story for them? Uh, well, I'll just tell you that, you know, because Teak was 95% nonprofits for the first 16 years of our lives, um, we are extraordinarily accountable uh, because we were taking nonprofit money. We still are. And, you know, when you hold a check in your hand from a nonprofit, you have a sense of responsibility, I think, that you might not 
if it's coming from big business or a giant company with a huge margin. So we've been extremely results oriented and I'm you know sad to hear that you didn't have a good experience, but I'll give a warning out to anybody out there who's thinking about PR. Right. The key is right off the bat to set goals with your agency and hold them accountable and make sure they're holding themselves accountable. So at the beginning of every month, we're like, okay, this is what we're going to do for the month. And we share it with the client. And at the, the end of the month, we give them an activity report and say, this is what we did. This is what we said we were going to do. This is what we did. And then these are the results that we achieved. Mm. And, you know, then we can take that and move forward um, for the next month. Are we, did we hit our mark? Do we want to alter, switch, whatever? But it's really about accountability and holding each other accountable. Um, but I forget now what was your question. Yeah, no, you're good. You're good. You answered. So, and I, I'll just piggyback off that to say, so, you know, if, because if, if there's responsibility on both ends, right? So it's, you know, okay. I know that the PR team is going to need things from the client as well. So yeah. you have to be prepared and held accountable for that too. Um, and, and have you ever done deals? Um, I don't know if you, what size clients uh, you're working with, if it's a range of startups to larger companies. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then has there ever been things, so if you're not hitting certain goals and things aren't happening, is there a results-based model that you um, operate under? We have, have our own. I don't know if if there is a standard. Right. Um, but we work with each client to set their goals and then help them achieve them. And then we, you know, we have measurement tools that help them measure, help us measure what they're receiving in terms of media outreach and the sentiment on that media and social media and, you know, how many eyeballs are on their um, posts and how much engagement and things like that. So it, there, there is really measurable now, especially now. Yeah. Right, much more than right. before. That's good. And so I'm curious, um, what, uh, I guess right now, if, when you're working with a company, I guess, is there a particular, um, I guess, have you seen certain types of stories work better, uh, for new, like when you're doing a PR and you're getting out into major media, like, is there something that, what becomes so newsworthy? Like, what are the elements of someone's story that really captures to, to get, uh, published on a number of platforms? Anything stand out to you based on your experience? Well, today, sadly, news is really salacious and negative. And we don't go down that path because we represent the good guys, you know. But I think, you know, there is a lot of that out there. But what we do is we lead in through a personal story um, to make it fly. And it really does. Like, you can talk about a huge issue like climate change, for example, and people can glaze over because they feel like there's nothing they can do about it, right? Yep. But if you if you and this is why those organizations use it, they use like a polar bear floating on a little piece of ice, because now you're seeing it through the eyes of one polar bear. Or if you talk about hunger or you know people starving, what do they say? A million um, deaths is a is a one death is a tragedy. A million deaths is a statistic. Yep. You know, we lead in leading in through a person is one way to grab attention for people, media attention, and then consumer attention. Make people care about one seven-year-old girl who's hungry, as opposed to a million people who are starving, because yeah. there's nothing you can do about that. I love that. I think it's that's a really powerful uh, insight for people because um, you know we talk about things with brands when it comes to storytelling and things like that, and it is easy to fall into that trap of talking about a large problem, but as soon as you can start personalizing it, um, I yeah. think that that's a great idea to really kind of make it more relatable for people too, right? Like they can wrap their head around yeah. it. 
Absolutely. And trying to put um, a smiley face on a larger issue is also really helpful when trying to get um, the public to care about it. Because if it's too sad, people will turn away. Like that's just human nature. So, um, you know, trying to not necessarily a smiley face, but something positive, find the silver lining and, and highlight that. Yeah. I mean, there's like shock factor. I mean, you see some of these things, you know, when it comes to like factory farming and animals and it's so, you know, awful that you want to just turn away and not pay attention. So you're not necessarily getting your message across in a, in an effective way. So to your point, finding a balance of like, can you convey the message, but also find the silver lining that people can, you know, see a light at the end of the tunnel of some kind. Right. Well, here's the formula for companies that are involved in issues like this or nonprofits, the formula to a good story that will get pickup or go viral or get people's attention is state the problem that you're trying to solve, then the actions your company or organization are taking to solve that problem, and then the results or the solutions that you're achieving. And it makes it really like a, a you know full circle, and it feels very satisfying to the audience. And it's a really good way to talk about what your company does or what your organization yeah. does. And I think that a lot of you know CEOs or whatever they get caught up in talking about the problem, and they don't necessarily talk about the actions or the solutions, or or they just talk about the solutions. Like it's really that full circle that makes it a satisfying equation. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And I always wondered. Yeah, I mean, there there must be like a, a PR press release like formula that you know, um, media outlets are used to or they look for that is more impactful than others. So that's that's a good tip, too, is the problem, the action to solve it, and then the results that you're getting. That kind of gives them that full story of cause and effect. Yeah. That's great. Um, so I, I, I guess I'm curious, too, you know, as we think about the PR world, this is something I've always, you know, kind of dabbled in and been curious about and I have not taken a second plunge with change creator uh, into the PR game um, and you said this is something you should do right from the beginning but when you say that that's because you're saying this is really important part of shaping your narrative right your story is, yeah. and that's where you're okay so that's the key there and that's something that you guys help people with so you know if you're running a company you have a professional team and that will thread your story that you help like throughout all their website copy and communications and everything right right yeah exactly so even if you're not if you don't have the budget to start pumping it out there through traditional media or social media or content marketing you'll at least have it on your website you at least know who you are and what your company's doing and why you're doing it. And then you, it's really about reiterating that story over and over and over to anyone who asks, you know, whether they ask or not, you know, that's your story and you talk about it and that will help build your brand. Right. You know, they right. say like what, seven times or something. It's like, yeah. there's so much information out there now. I think you have to just be super consistent and on target with your messaging. Any company does because it's really hard to get people's attention. It's there's just too much information. <laughs> it is. It is tough to cut through the noise. And I think your yeah. tip on personalization can help with that. Um, if you can really have a story that's personalized and relatable, you'll kind of like, potentially just call, carve out the audience that relates to that the most. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. All right. So if you um, are taking a client to the next level, then tell, talk to us a little bit about what else you're doing with them. So I know that you help shape the story. You get things put in a good place. Um, now, have you come across people that are just coming to you to say, hey, 
we want to, I don't know if you know the term greenwashing. I'm always curious, like are people just greenwashing uh, because they know it's something they should be saying? Right. Well, that is, I think people were doing that a lot. And that gave the sustainable business community sort of a bad name. And then what happened was companies were afraid to start talking about it. Like a year ago, I was working with companies and helping them get their get enough um, courage together to talk about it. Some like there was an or, a, com, a company here who. 100% organic clothing. Mm. She didn't want to talk about the fact that there, she was organic because she said everybody's saying that and it's not always true and I don't want to be part of that. And I'm like, no, you have to talk about it because wow. it's who you are. And the more that companies talk about what they do, the more that other companies will want to be part of that too and also see that companies that are sustainable are making money. You know, like Unilever says, the the fastest growing part of their ginormous company are their sustainable brands. Get out of here. Yes, that's what they say. Yeah. So I want to actually just pause right there because I'm curious and I'm, I'm always looking for these stories of, you know, brands who are doing, you know, social initiatives such as sustainable products. Um, and finding success like so hearing that is actually really powerful because I think as the consumer the data shows the consumers are demanding that you know these companies put morals back into business and that they'll spend more money on you know a uh, company that has sustainable products and I, I like to see that actually true <laughs> um, and so you've done work with Unilever and you're saying that this is actually the case is there anything else you know about um, some of the stuff that they or other companies that are having the same results I'm curious well, yeah let me just correct you for one second I haven't done work with Unilever oh, but, oh, okay. but they do say that the reports say that I just didn't want to appear as if I was saying something that's not true gotcha. but, um, so BlackRock one of the largest uh, firms on Wall Street came out in January Larry Fink is the CEO, and he said that he made a statement to his community, we are going to put more emphasis and give priority to investing in companies that have a social purpose, not because all of a sudden we're good guys and we believe in it, but because they are making more money and it's good investment for our investors. So like that was huge, just what yeah. you were saying. That um, that that made so uh, such an impact on the conscious capitalist world because it's everything that we've been saying. He finally said, like an investment guy who was only about money, said, "We're going to do the right thing because it's profitable." And that the more that companies understand that it's profitable, the more they'll get into it, and then the more that they will be putting into social change, like hunger, poverty, mass incarceration, racism, you name it, disease. Um, to try to climb it, you know, the earth. Um, so the more money they have, the more they'll be putting into it, the more that they see that it's making a difference and the, the more money they'll get. It's just a big circle that's going to be for good. And that's amazing. Yeah. And we're really, I feel like we're at the, at the tip of the iceberg. We finally, it was a tipping point, in my opinion, earlier this year, and it's just going to keep rolling. Thank God. I, I think so too. I mean, I always I use instead of tip iceberg, I say the, the we're just at the crest of the wave, starting to curl, and it's like it's just getting there. So you know, there's been a lot of acceleration around social business over the past couple of years. But you know, when I started this ten years ago, there was nothing. 
Yeah. You know, there was nothing around this and you were kind of like really odd if you thought this way. Um, and there was really no, especially no university, you know, for social entrepreneurship and social enterprise, no. things like that. But now, you know, 23 major universities plus a hundred other, you know, non Ivy league, uh, are, are accommodating these things. So just a really rapid growth phase. And to your point, as we hit 2018, I think, you know, more and more people are catching on because that consumer demand is growing. Right. And that really comes back to the messaging, I think, and that and the way that companies are talking about it. And it's so critical for this movement to move forward to get the messaging down right so that people don't think you are greenwashing, back to your point, yep. and that you're showing your real purpose behind what you're doing and what it's doing for your company, for your people. You know, they it, it improves um, employee loyalty and employee production right. when they're right. working for something that has a purpose. So it, just talking about that and being transparent about it and talking about being a work in progress and talking about all the things that it takes to become sustainable so that people know it's not easy and you're trying and they're not judging you, you know, for everything. Just know that you're in the process. It's helpful. Absolutely. So it really is about how you're talking about it that's going to move this movement forward. And that's what she tries to help with. And, you know, get out of the fear, too. Like, there's a lot of fear. Oh, they're going to say this. They're going to say that. And it's just like, how do you address that? You know, we help organizations address that. Right, right. Well, and, you know, from my experience, it's really, you know, you can't be afraid um, to make yourself a little bit vulnerable in telling your own story of, you know, what's really important to you. It's kind of like wearing your heart on your sleeve in a sense and exposing certain things. And, yeah, not everyone... Not everyone would agree or or disagree, but I I don't think they should either, right? There should be some level of you taking a stand for what you believe in. So of course there's going to be people that don't agree. Yeah, and that you know what I say to that is great. Then they're not your customers, but there are plenty of people who are going to be your customers exactly. because they do they do adhere to your values. And I really do think that's the way business is going to go. Like you have to be who you are and just accept that you can't be. You can't be for everybody, and that's okay. That's yeah. fine. I love that. And I, I was listening to something from Seth Godin. If you know him, he's a big marketer yeah. guy. And he mm -hmm. was like, listen, if you're trying to fall into this game of mass marketing and appealing to everybody, he's like, all you're going to do is just create something average and you're never going to stand out. You're not being an artist as an entrepreneur. You're just being like everybody else. So, you right. know, that's the last thing you want to do is appeal to everybody. That's never going to work. No. For sure. Yeah. Anytime I think a company catches themselves afraid to talk about it, that's when they need to start talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's true. You know? It's true. I, like, I was on the phone with a ginor, like the biggest retailer, um, a, a sustainability direct director from a really, you know, the company. Um, and they were talking about how they don't want to announce their efforts to be more recyclable conscious because they didn't want people to say, well, why haven't you been so all along? You know, so they didn't want to talk about it because and, and I'm like, we no, that's not it. Like the answer to that is it's not not to talk about it, it's to say, no, we weren't the first people involved in recycling, but we're here now. And look at the movement. Look at the power we can put behind this movement and we're going to do it. So, you know, pat yourselves on the back for committing to it, not for not having been the first people at the party. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. 
And I, I think, you know, one of the key takeaways here is just how important your story is today. And, you know, more and more people are getting into, um, you know, freelancing, starting their own business and, you know, or getting on board with a company that's do, having a social initiative and you're getting behind that story and mission. And you're going to see more of these employees, right? They get on board because they the story of that company is something that resonates with them. So I guess the point of what I'm saying is I just want to emphasize to anybody listening how important it is to not just know your story, but to tell it the right way. Yeah. And sometimes you do need help from a company like Teak because they do this for a living, um, you know, and there's a lot of other entrepreneurs and mentors, but this is the kind of thing that you, you don't want to fall short on, um, especially as more and more people enter the market you know, we're all teachers, we're all students, right? So this is a great time for you to make sure that your your already great story is told in a great way. Thanks. You should you should do my PR. Adam. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> By the way, we're releasing a new storytelling course later this year. No, <laughs> so listen, I want to ask you one more question. Um, and that is, can you just share, if you have a few more minutes, share a story about someone that you've worked with and you can name that company or not, but maybe just give an example of, well, here was the problem they had and here's how, what we did for them. Can you just like give an example of a situation maybe? Sure. So we were working with the Samaritans um, and they are the organization that um, helps people overcome the feeling of of wanting to commit suicide, right? They get people through that and they needed corporate funding. But at the time, and this is another example of a shift, at the time, corporations didn't want to be associated with mental illness. It wasn't like like Bank of America and the big companies um, here was Boston-based, here in Boston, Mm. were giving to the arts or giving to um, youth achievement, things like that, which is terrific. But they didn't want their brand associated with suicide. So what, um, and, and it was an ad agency that came up with this idea and then Teak worked with them on the messaging and to promote it was to put a smiley face on it. And instead of talking about people being depressed, they had the organization try to make people happy. So the Samaritans got teams of volunteers out into the T, like, which is our subway here in um, Boston, rush hour, early morning rush hour in January. So it's freezing, everybody's miserable. And here come these volunteers in yellow shirts, um, (laughs) passing out oranges, fresh oranges that smell good. And they were just giving away for free. And they put smiles on everybody's face as they were coming off the trains. And the the key and the messaging was, and we got a ton of press around this, was if you make people feel good, they won't be depressed. Mm, and yeah. that's how they that's how we overcame that challenge. And so what companies wanted to be associated with that and put their brand on it and that helped raise money for the organization. That's pretty cool. So and you did you guys have to like hustle to do outreach to brands in order to get them involved and kind of like pitch them the idea? The company we didn't actually pitch the um, the companies that were going to give the money. We did the promo of it, but then they had articles, TV, like the, the Today Show did a thing on it. They had the um, media attention to go out and say to corporations, hey, this is what we're doing. Do you want to be part of it? Gotcha. So it helped them, though, in, to do that. It helped them to yeah. have that media circulation. Totally. Yeah, because then companies wanted to be a part of a, good, a cool thing. 
Right, right. So you don't, I bet you then, I mean, I bet you they could have got some people on board if they didn't have the circulation, but it sounds like to me, you know, anybody listening, it's like, if you can show something that's already like around the internet and point to it and you have some media coverage, that will get a client, a potential partner or client like more excited to get involved with what you're doing. Everybody wants to be involved with a winner, right? If you're cool, (laughs) if you're in the media, it's good for everybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's a great story. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, if you can, we're going to close. Uh, we're going to close up here, and uh, I want to be respectful of your time. So why don't you give? T- where do people? Um, you know, where can they find you? I want you to give a shout out for yourself and let people know um, your website and how they might you know work with you and stuff like that. Thank you. It's Teak Media T E A K like the wood TeakMedia.com. And we're in Boston. We represent companies all around the country. Um, you know, I have to be based somewhere, I guess. And um, that's, yeah, teakmedia.com. All right, guys, you heard it. Teakmedia.com, making the world notice those who are improving it. And if you're out there, you're listening to this, you are probably trying to improve the world through the business that you operate. And somebody like Teak could probably help you tell that story. And as you probably just heard, it's a really important part of your business. So don't, uh, don't cheese out on it. (laughs) Uh, Jackie, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Guys, you can, when you check out the website, she's got a nice video and some other information. So you can go explore there and uh, reach out to them. You even have a phone number right there in the top, right? So don't hesitate. Um, get your story told guys, Jackie, thanks again so much for your time. Really appreciate you sharing it. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Absolutely. We will be in touch. All right, great. Have a great day. You too. That's all for this episode. Your next step is to join the change creator revolution by downloading our interactive digital magazine app for premium content, exclusive interviews, and more ways to stay on top of your game. Available now on iTunes and Google Play or visit changecreatormag.com. We'll see you next time where money and meaning intersect right here at the Change Creator Podcast. 